Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mama Jack podcast. Today is a very special day because we are talking about Sifram Hitz Weiss syndrome. It is a very rare genetic disease, and my little unicorn Harlow has it. When we found out she had it, there were only 37 other cases in the world, in the world. I ended up joining a Facebook group and I've been in that group and we believe there's more people now. We don't know if it's because a lot of times it goes unnoticed. A lot of parents are realizing they have it after they find it in their children. So to go into a little bit about what this disease actually means, it is a mutation of the CHD4 gene and it is associated with developmental delay, speech delay, and usually mild to moderate intellectual disability. Very few have normal intelligence. Other things can include brain anomalies, heart defects, skeletal abnormalities, hypogonadism in males, hearing impairment, and ophthalmic abnormalities, so eye abnormalities. Most people affected by this have mild and nonspecific dysmorphic facial features as well. So that's a little runaround. I know that's a lot of medical jargon. And as you hear me and these mothers talk, you will learn a little more about what it means. If you have any questions, you can, you know, you can always reach out to me. But this is near and dear to my heart because my little girl does have Sifram Hitz Weiss syndrome. That is why I call her my little unicorn because she is very, very rare. And I knew it from the moment I held her. So without any delay, we're going to jump right into it. I just want to welcome you guys. Thank you so much for doing this and sharing, you know, your stories with me. I know all three of us have been through this and it's probably been a crazy ride for all three of us, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to talk about our kids. Now, I'll share my story first. So when Harlow, Harlow's my daughter, that's who was diagnosed, we caught um, the CHD4 gene, and then they, we went to the genetics doctor, and they told us she did fall under the Sifram Hitz Weiss. So when she was like six months old, she wasn't lifting her head still she it kept falling back and our primary care was like um you know see she has a hemangioma she has ptosis she has this heart murmur let's check her neuro just to be sure because she had a hemangioma like two on her head so they wanted to make sure that the one in the back wasn't pushing on anything causing that and the um, neurologist did the whole like MRI on her head, saw that it wasn't doing it. So she decided to do a genetic test. And that's when it came back. We knew nothing about it, of course. And you read about it and you're like, okay, well, this could be everything or nothing, right? So mm-hmm. we had the neurologist, we had the ophthalmolo- ophthalmologist, we had, there's all of them, right? Cardio. <laughs> dermatology. Um, who, what am I forgetting here? I'm sure. Oh, GI. Cause she wasn't gaining weight. So those were her symptoms. She wasn't growing like an average child. She wasn't gaining weight. She had hemangiomas. She had ptosis and she had a heart murmur. 
So that was kind of what flagged us and started our journey. Somebody else want to talk on kind of how theirs started? You can go ahead, Alice. Boy or a little girl? She's a little, well, she's a girl. She's now, okay. well, she's coming up nine, this is Isabel. Okay. She, so, yeah, we, she was 17 days late. And then after she was born, she was pretty much incubated straight away because she was cold. Um, and then they let us go. And then when we got home, she just wasn't eating and she was floppy and sleeping awful, an awful lot. So we got re-admitted and the paediatrician checked her over and she had a heart murmur. And then from then on, we were ended like a cardiologist. And then later down the line, she suggested we went for genetic testing. And I was like, what? There's nothing wrong with her. She's fine. And I was a bit like took back by it. But she had like dysmorphic facial features and um, quite a big head. Uh, and eventually I did agree to go to genetic testing after I realized she had like global development delay and stuff. And then we put, we was put on like a, a research project called the 100,000 Genomes Project in the UK. Oh, and yeah. they researched rare genetic conditions. And I think it was like two years I kept like pestering them. Have you, has, have I got results back? And they kept saying no. So it took about two years to get the results back. And this was in 2019 um, we finally got a diagnosis for Sifram Hitz Y syndrome. <clears throat> and she sees quite a lot of people now. So she sees a cardiologist, bowel and bladder specialist. She's been diagnosed with an ASD spectrum disorder. She has hypermobility, low muscle tone, global development delay with mild to moderate learning difficulties. Uh, and she's been in hospital about 17 times with like reoccurring chest infections. She's had influenza A and she has got three brain abnormalities, which are mild. She's got a narrow pituitary, a narrow pituitary stalk and gland and a subtle abnormality to her inner ear. And she sees um, hearing and eyes um, and she's quite um, got quite poor eyesight and wears glasses. I think that's it. But then I'll probably be like, oh, yeah, there's something else. Because it just the list is just ongoing, isn't it? Yeah. You see yes. these medical professionals. At, at the moment, we're really trying to fight to get her the right education, which in the UK is trying to get blood out, out of a stone, I think. Um, we've got court coming up. And, yeah, they're just denying her an education at the moment. So we are still fighting. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, yeah it's a bit... I'm wondering about Harlow's hearing too, because she, when she, she turns her head when we say her name, but she's been getting constant ear infections. And I didn't know that until you Mm -hmm. mentioned it to me. And I was like, well, maybe that's part of it too. So whenever I take her to the ear, nose and throat doctor, I am going to bring up, you know, the Sifram hits twice, but a lot, a lot of people here, like Katie, I'm sure you know this, like a lot of people, specialists are like uh they don't know anything about it but yeah, go well, ahead you like you've got two heads don't they like, yes. well, that. so it can't be as if it can't be real because they haven't yeah. heard yeah. <laughs> normal pregnancy everything we we did have fertility treatment done um to conceive him and normal pregnancy and everything and when it came time for me to so they did a c-section on me and he came out he was healthy happy like just just a bigger boy And he, we, you know, were sent home normally, everything like that. And then at his two week check with the pediatrician, this pediatrician noticed a heart murmur. And so we went to cardiology and 
from there learned that he had pulmonary stenosis and on his major artery of his heart. And he was monitored for that. Um, they told us that that was something that he could possibly grow out of. And so, which he has now, he's close to seven years old now. And, but there from, from there on, it just, we noticed like, like you said, at like six months, he was sitting up, but he was not rolling or acting like he wanted to like reach for things and, uh, or trying to like scoot like other babies do around that age. And I, uh, we got him into like physical therapy and things like that for, for infancy. And he was barely pulling himself to stand at around 12 months, but he wasn't, he, he was showing that he had like hypotonia, low muscle tone in the legs and everything. And then at around a year as well, we were noticing speech and development were just not coinciding as well. And so he was babbling and making noises and things, but he was not, not saying mama, dada, like normal one-year-olds would be doing. And so we got into speech and all that. And so then when it came to, and he didn't start walking until he was about 19 months, 20 months old or so, which is late and still in physical therapy, still doing all the things. Uh, And then our pediatrician finally at his two-year check was like, I think we need to see a geneticist uh, because she's like, I don't think that he is, or he's showing signs that he has some sort of genetic disorder with, with everything that's encompassing here. And so that's when we went down the rabbit hole of having to get tested for the gene stuff and then having to go to every single doctor. And it it seemed like we went to new doctors every single week and, um, uh, found out finally that we had Sifram Hitzweiss and he also has a PLEC, the PLEC gene, the PLEC gene is mutated as well. Um, but I passed that down to him. I, I did not pass down or my husband did not pass down Sifram Hitzweiss to him. Um, that was just a genetic fluke. Mm-hmm. And, but he has the, the bigger head circumference. He has the heart murmur. We've been checked for hearing. He did have multiple ear infections as an infant, um, but he ended up getting ear tubes and those went away. He but he's been checked for hearing and his eyesight have been checked every single year since, since the genetics stuff came back. And that was when he was four, when we finally got the results back. We also see endocrinology because they're worried about hormones. He does have a smaller genitalia, which is common for Sifram Hitzweiss kids. It sounds like in males, he, and so endocrinology sees him twice a year. And when he become when he becomes prepubescent around age nine or ten, he'll probably have to be put on testosterone and um, other hormone therapies to grow and develop normally. Right. Uh, if if that makes any sense. Yeah. And then we were also seen for they were worried about like a muscular dystrophy in him. They they said that with with multiple gene mutations since he has two. Uh, gene mutations that that can cause like a muscular dystrophy or some sort of like muscular deterioration um, in him. But they, we, we were seen by the university of Iowa and he, he got all cleared from that. So we're not, I mean, that's, we're, we're off of that doctor, (laughs) thankfully. (laughs) Right. It's always nice when um, one of them goes away. You're like, Oh, right. 
right? Like when he graduated from the cardiology where yeah. with the heart murmur and everything, that was, it was a big day for us, but we still see endocrinology. We still see his pediatrician a, a few times a year more. He will have his hearing tested. He will have everything. And then just from talks in the group and everything like that, I am going to his birthday's coming up. So we'll see the doctor again soon. Everyone's talking about the spinal fusion or the, yes. the, the, that kind of stuff. I might check with them about that because he doesn't have like the mobility like other kids do, but, you know? And so I'm worried about like his neck and his, you know, like spinal area. Um, yeah. And so I may have him check. We did have a, a brain MRI done when we were first diagnosed as well. And he does have a couple anomalies in his brain as well. They haven't gotten bigger since. So they're not, a, they, they said they just want to track them and make sure that they're not having any issues with that. But yeah, other than that, I mean, he's a, he overall, I mean, aside from all of the Sifram Hits Weiss stuff that we have to go through, he's a healthy, happy, easygoing, you know, six, almost seven year old boy. So um, we are in special education. He's, you know, he has speech through school and everything still. And he also has kind of like a sensory processing disorder as well, where he has to wear like headphones if we're at like a sporting event or like loud noise. If we're in a crowd with loud noises and things like that, he has to wear headphones because he's very overstimulated by that stuff. So that sounds very similar to Isabel, like how she is. She, she actually does have the cervical fusion of her spine as well. She does. Okay. Yeah. And she has, um, which on the letter, it says a congenital defect on the middle of her spine, but it doesn't actually state what. So there's two going on there, but she, she has, um, yeah, quite similar with the sensory issues as well. It's yeah. funny how they all can have like quite similarities of, but maybe in a different way, but still yeah. the same at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's uh, crazy. Yeah. It and is it, very crazy. For me, I'm just, my little one is so small that we're just waiting for stuff, you know? So like, yeah. yeah. She's in speech. She, she's in physical therapy. She was late to crawl. She was late to stand. She's almost walking now. Like she'll, she still wants to hold on to things, but she's pretty good. But she still does the like Frankenstein walk with her hands, you know? So <laughs> she's getting there, but she's not there yet. As far as learning, I mean, her speech, she says mama, and then she'll like babble but that's it. And like you said, that's not at this age, she should be saying, I, I don't, I don't follow, but the, you know, charts, but I believe it's like six words they're supposed to be saying yeah. or yeah. recognizing. And um, so we know those two and we're just waiting now. I know it's probably inevitable with a learning delay, you know, because that's just across the board. Most people with this syndrome have, a learning disability. So I know mm-hmm. that's probably going to be in the cards for her. And it's just the waiting game, right? And it's the mm-hmm. what ifs. And I've, I mean, Alice, I don't know about your little girl, but Harlow just seems like, like I knew there was something the first time I held her. And I always, people were like, and I was calling her my twin flame. I'm like, she, there's something with her. Like, I know she's special, like she's special. And people were like, yeah, every baby's special. I was like, I have a son. I love him so much, but this one's different. I know she's different. And she's so sweet. 
even as like a toddler so far now she's still 17 months she has yeah. time but like I just can sense like I know that sounds weird but like mommy intuition oh I, I feel I, exactly the same I found from the moment she was born I knew that something wasn't right with her mm-hmm. never I've had four children and I've never felt that I obviously mm-hmm. I left a dear left for all my children but I had this overwhelming feeling and I didn't have postnatal depression that she something was going to happen to her she was going to die or mm-hmm. I just knew that they're just I don't know I don't like you said like mother intuition there was yeah. something that I knew wasn't right mm-hmm. from the moment mm-hmm. that I held her and yeah it's such a such a strange feeling she's also very the sweetest gentlest very a very good typical toddler like she's no there's no toddler tantrums very passive easy eager to please very gentle and I think quite a lot of children seem to have that sort of personality quality in them mm-hmm. they're very passive and gentle and calm yeah it's um I don't know it's quite a I don't know what the trait is what you'd call it but she, I've always described her as a sweet gentle soul yeah yeah that's how I feel like Ben too Ben Ben has his moments don't get me wrong he has a younger brother that loves to push his buttons but um, (laughs) and I think that's just brotherly love I don't think that's anything to do with his syndrome but and he'll have like with the sensory stuff he will he will kind of and I don't want to say like freak out but he does have like little episodes where like it's really hard to um, bring him back down from from that but other than that I would say I mean when we we just had uh teacher conferences at his school and his special education teacher seemed to she is just smitten with him she just thinks he's absolutely wonderful and she's like I just love the joy he brings to our class and I just love that he's always happy and eager to learn and eager to you know participate in things and he's super happy and loves music and loves things and so yeah I would say overall we we got out of all the syndromes we probably got the happiest syndrome yeah (laughs) yeah I believe that too even I noticed so many differences with her and my son and my son is three and a half years old and you know she's 17 months so they're pretty close and I'm just like blown away by how different like even the sleeping the like I said tantrums like she's pretty, she's pretty happy. And yes, um, question for both of you. Did your children laugh? Did it take a long time for them to laugh? Yes. Yeah. Not for Ben. No. Okay. No, like, he was always a, a giggly thing when he was okay. a baby. So Harlow didn't laugh until she like actually laugh until a couple months ago, I would say. Yeah. Would you say that's possibly like a muscle tone thing? I mean. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know if it's that or if it has something to do with like the like intellectual part of it. Development, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're waiting just to see with all of that because obviously she's small. And I think I'm going to start her in... um, you know, there's a mommy's morning out program at my son's preschool. So I was like, I'm going to try to socialize her as early as I can. Because with my son, it was COVID and we couldn't get him in anywhere. Sure. Just to see what she's like, you know, and to see yeah. what the teachers have to say um, compared to the other kids. Because I have 
no comparison. Honestly, it sounds funny, but you know, my son's only three and a half, but I don't remember at what ages he was doing what. Like, I know that sounds terrible, but it's like I got through it and now I'm like, yeah, around this age he was around, but I can't tell you. Like, it was such a blur. Like, we we did all the baby, I attempted the baby groups, but she, like, I think the autistic in her, she just wanted to play by herself. So she would never really socialize with anybody she will struggled with like the social and communication side of things you would she would go out and play but she wouldn't go and and she still doesn't now she really struggles with like social and communicate communication so and I just leave her to it I don't try to force anything on her anymore like I said it's crazy with genetics because mm-hmm. you just don't know what sliding scale you're on and then you mm-hmm. have you know the woman that runs the group that we're a part of on Facebook. I don't want to say her name because I didn't okay it with her or anything. But right, right. and she found out she had it because her daughter had it, right? So it's like right. her whole life, I think she did say she had learning disabilities, right? Yeah. But other yeah. than that, there was like nothing. And when we were younger, like my husband and I got tested too for the gene, and neither of us had it. It was like a spontaneous thing in Harlow as well. Alice, did you and your yeah, um, we both had. We, yeah, we were both tested, and it's a the the de novo variant. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's just a change in our DNA, basically. That's just yeah. from her. Yeah, <laughs> it's so weird, and it's so rare. Like I know when I looked up how many kids or how many cases there were around the world, it said thirty seven, and I'm wondering yeah. how much that number had has changed now. Officially online, it's 50, but we know there's okay. more than 50 because there's like 104 people. I know there's like grandparents of and yeah. both parents of. So I'm going to say like there must be an, been an extra 20 at least mm-hmm. been yeah. diagnosed. So I'm, I reckon about 50. And those are the ones that we know of that are actually in the group. So yeah, it seems we seem to get like flurries of people coming in, don't we? And then, then it goes quiet for a bit and then mm-hmm. a few more people get added. But um. I suppose they're the ones that probably just use Facebook and even there might be some that may not even use Facebook or have Facebook but haven't researched it. It is like the unknown, isn't it? I suppose. Mm -hmm. I actually have a lady, I've I've probably, you've probably seen it, I'll keep writing about it. There's someone that lives like five minutes away from me. Oh, yeah. She's she's in the group as well. She's called Stacey. We're really friendly. We meet for coffee and stuff. And yeah, we live in the same area. So we both live in a place called Churchdown, which is like, we're like two minutes away from each other, two minute drive. And I'm oh, trying wow. to get my daughter into the same school that she goes to. And we've got like the same doctors, the same geneticists. So yeah, that's nice to speak to somebody that's that awesome. kind of gets it, you know? So <laughs> how, <he> does. <laughs> how do you feel about the genetics? Because recently we were approached by the genetics doctor for, you know, Karen Weiss and all of her stuff. And Harlow's yeah. stuff got sent in. And then I think it got full. So they were like, oh, we can send her blood in and get it tested, but they were going to have us pay for it. And at that time I was like, you know what, if it's full, they're getting their information. If they need more people, we'll sign up for it. But I'm going to leave her out of it. But then I had a situation where I almost feel like they were bummed that I didn't do that for them. You know, it's almost like, uh, it almost made me feel like Harla was a little bit of a lab rat to them. And I don't want to like put that energy out there, but no. I feel like 
it's so rare that people are like, oh, I just want to get my hands on it. And I was thinking, well, if you want to get your hands on it, pay to get it shipped Absolutely, and research yeah. yourself because, right. you know, I don't, and I didn't understand really what they were going to look for with the blood sample anyways. It was all literally for their education about it. And which is fine. Like I'm all for that. But at the same time, I'm almost to the point now where I'm like, I, I love, you know, the whole Karen Weiss thing and I'm keeping track with what everybody's saying about mm-hmm. her and everything. But I almost need to just take it to what Harlow has, how we're dealing with it and day to day. Because when I think about it as a whole in the unknown and, oh, they're still learning about it. It gets very overwhelming to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. scary, scary, isn't it? Because it is the unknown, isn't it? You don't mm-hmm. know what 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 is going to happen or what may happen or might not even happen. It's And I suppose at, your, at the stage that you're actually still quite young. So mm-hmm. it's like you're probably constantly watching her and waiting for her to do stuff or yeah. waiting for her to do the next thing. So I can imagine for children, people that have young children... It is the it is more of the unknown than what it is for me because Isabel was about four or five I think when she was diagnosed, mm-hmm. so I've had like quite a few years to sort of watch her grow. Yeah, and it, I, I I can understand like how hard it would be for somebody with a younger child because your mind's probably going over and over like what if this happens what if that happens mm-hmm. and it is the unknown because you don't know how your child is going to develop in the long run. Yeah, and well, and they can develop completely different from somebody else who also has it from his wife. Absolutely, yeah. That's so the craziest not, part of it. There's a massive rarity in it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. that's the almost weirdest spectrum, part. if you will. Like, like in autism, it's almost that we have a spectrum of, mm-hmm. of yeah, you know, and some people are completely unaffected, and some people have you know every single thing in the book. So yeah, yeah, because there's a few adults on there that don't really have any symptoms. I think I th- I've heard like quite a few people say. Oh, my husband found he had it, but he yeah. hasn't had any symptoms. So you could possibly get an atypical person that has nothing, you know? Yeah. Right. But I think you only generally would get tested if you did have a symptom. So these people that are asymptomatic are only finding finding out because their child has it and they've then carried it on to their child. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I that's what I also read is that part of the reason it could be so rare is because a lot of it goes unnoticed. Yes. So it could be that there are hundreds of thousands of people with this genetic thing, but if it's going unnoticed, you would never. And honestly, I'm, I'm 37. There weren't really genetic tests. Like unless you had a serious issue happening, they didn't test us for genetics. No. So it's, we would have never known, you know, we literally would never know. Well, yeah. now I now we all know because we've all had our genetics tested, right? But yeah. <laughs> like as a young kid, they just weren't doing stuff like that then. And I, I feel like it is good to know this for me so we know what to look out for. But yeah. mm-hmm. it, honest to God, it keeps me up at night sometimes. It breaks my heart. And I, even though she's so sweet and happy and that's just what I concentrate on. And my husband tells me, he's like, She's the happiest little girl and she's so sweet and you just have to keep on that. But, you know, as a mom, it's like you just worry. And then I was telling Katie about this the other day, Alice. I don't think I told you about it. At the time when I was pregnant with Harlow, 
was when the COVID vaccine came out. So my okay. mother had um, stage three breast cancer and I decided to get the vaccine. So, so many people, when it came out, like Harlow, when I told everybody, you know, Harlow has this genetic condition, they're all like, well, do you think it's from the COVID vaccine? And I was like, it absolutely isn't because she had it at like, basically at the very beginning, within the first couple weeks of getting pregnant is when you're gestational stage isn't it yes and I didn't get that until I was 13 14 weeks pregnant 16 weeks pregnant I can't remember so I I got hit with that too and there was a lot of guilt around that because you know it was like what do you do and everything was so unknown with that at the time too but now I know like nothing to do even the doctors like even smiled when I said that they were like no absolutely not no way because I asked them like is there any chance there were like absolutely no chance, like zero chance did that affect her. No. So it's just such a, we have unicorns. Like I said, we yeah. truly have <laughs> unicorns. And it's like, I want to try to look at it as a gift because they're so special. And as I mean, across the board, they're so sweet. Even look at the yeah. older, you know, people that are showing the signs that they have it in the group just are so sweet. Yeah. And physically, I just hope that everything stays okay. Now, my genetics doctor said where Harlow is at is pretty much where she'll stay. So nothing will get worse. So like her, she had the hypotonia too. And now mm-hmm. she's almost walking. So it's like, okay, that won't get worse. If she starts to walk, it'll be fine. But the next thing I am going to get checked out, I'm going to talk to the doctor about it. She doesn't, she's not showing any signs, but she's not really whipping herself around yet, you know? So I don't, I don't know about that, but I, I think that is something very serious that we all need to get checked if we haven't yet, because that can cause a lot of damage just the weekend, you know, is it, is it the, vertebrae or is it the muscles in the neck like oh the it's like fused cervical vertebrae okay Okay. the only reason why we found out was because they've always said Isabel's had scoliosis and they kept saying Mm. they with our local doctor which is quite a small county and they was like oh yeah it's 22 degrees so we're going to refer you to like an out like um somewhere further away a more of a specialist department and we got mm-hmm. there, it was like, oh, she hasn't got any scoliosis at all. I was like, well, why have they told me she's got 22 degree angle? But it actually turns out she's got posterior. So that's from her muscles. Mm-hmm. So where her muscles are weaker, it's not supporting her spine properly, which then can technically cause proper scoliosis in the long run. Mm-hmm. But they okay. did an MRI scan anyway, and then they discovered she had diffused vertebrae then, and then something on the middle of her spine, which is a congenital defect that she would have had from infancy or birth or gestational mm-hmm. stage so yeah it's a fused vertebrae so you have to, I think they they do say that on the papers that you do have to be careful of like neck movements there's quite a lot of report on Isabel's reports that she can't do any like like trampolining or roly polies or anything that will cause like trauma to the neck mm-hmm. sure I don't I don't know why because they do fuse vertebrae as a spinal surgery anyway so I don't know if it is damaging or what what it, what it means. I don't really know that myself because I'm pretty sure when they do spinal surgeries, they fuse bones together in the first place to 
they can better. I'm not sure what the technical terms are. So mm-hmm. I don't know actually know what the damaging effect is. Probably like rapid neck movements, maybe, but no one's actually told me what what the damaging cause could technically be with fused vertebrae. So I might have to look that up. But yeah, I'm not sure. See, Harlow, like. She's like our little rocker girl, we call her, because she will like whip her head back and forth. So <laughs> even when she's sitting in her chair, like eating, if something's good, she's like, Mm-mm-mm. and she's like yeah. going back and <laughs> forth with her head. So I'd be shocked if it was something like that. But also part of me is like, is she trying to move a little bit and her neck is weak and it's going floop, but I'm not, right. I'm not a hundred percent sure we have, but we haven't gotten that far yet. How how are both of you taking all of this? And what were your thoughts when you first found out? Because you guys found out way before I did. So there was even less information probably when you found out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go first. <clears throat> okay. Um, well, when we first found out, I mean, you're you're kind of inundated with emotions. You're kind of like... I, I had every emotion. I think I was angry about it. I was, you know, like, I was just like, well, why, why him? Like, why, you know, why, and why is it so rare? Why do we have to have the one that like, doesn't have any research on it and doesn't like, I didn't know the outcomes and I don't know, like, you know, we didn't have any outcomes of even like, like uh, length of life or anything like that. And so I, I think I went through almost like the stages of grief almost about it just being like, well, now the life that I imagined for him is kind of not, not over by any means, because he, I mean, he's going to live a great, wonderful life. We love him. We take care of him, you know, everything. But, um, I think it was just almost a, well, he's now going to have more challenges and more and have to be, you know, monitored more and like kind of live that doctor's life. And, I don't know. I I guess, yeah, like I said, just every emotion, but also now with him growing and seeing him and develop the way he is and as sweet as he is and, uh, you know, and how much fun we have together as a family, I guess I'm more like, I kind of see this as more of maybe a little bit of a gift or a blessing and maybe a blessing in disguise, if you will. Like I know all the medical stuff is no fun, but he really is truly such a gift to me and to our family and brings so much joy and happiness that I, I kind of now am, am at peace with it. If, if that makes any sense mm-hmm. as his mom, I, I do get overwhelmed with like the social aspect of it because since he is developmentally behind his peers, now that he's in school, you know, you see them going on play dates and in like invited, getting invited to birthday parties and, and things like that. Well, Ben doesn't really like he, since he's so much behind everyone, I, and I, I shouldn't say behind, like, I, I just don't see the, like the kids aren't coming in droves like they are to the other kids, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I don't know if it's because like we, and I don't want to sound like a helicopter mom, but like, we don't like, I, I wouldn't just send him to anyone's house to go play for yeah. fear that he would, he, you know, have an episode where he's oversensitized and he's over, you know? And so I guess maybe that's where I'm at, where I'm just, it's the social aspect for me of him having a disability versus um, the medical stuff. Like the medical stuff I'm fine with, we'll take in stride and we'll, 
we'll move about that as, as it comes and everything. And he's, he's great now at the doctor. He didn't used to be, it used to be, he would see a doctor like anyone in a lab coat. And he was like, Oh my God, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> like <laughs> They're going to poke and prod me more. Great. You know, but now he's fine at the doctor and he knows what to expect. And so, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm at peace with the, with the disability itself. But I also, I worry for his future, uh, like socially yeah, for him. So, so. Do, with, with him, is it something that he will eventually, you know, keep maturing and he will be able to live on his own and work? Or is that still kind mm. of unknown for you? That's very unknown for us. We have, we don't know where Ben's going to be because from what it sounds like from other people in the group, just from what I've like read, it sounds like a lot of them kind of stop like maturing past the age of like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ben's coming up on age seven here and it's like, okay, well, do we only have two more years of like maturity and development wise mm-hmm. or, or is he going to go beyond that? And is he going to be able to be like a normal you know, like graduating from high school and going on to possible college or possible um, trade schools or something, you know what I mean? Like, is it going to yeah. be something where he's able to learn that? And so it's, you know, he's only in first grade now. So it's, it's still unknown. It's still the unknown. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a killer part for me too, is not knowing that. And I know she's yeah. so young and we have no clue, but I feel you in that. Um, Alice, how, how did you take everything? How do you feel about it? Yeah, it was, it was like a roller coaster for us as well, because at the beginning, I didn't want to acknowledge the fact. So I thought, there's nothing wrong with my child. She's fine. Yeah. I say that. And then, then I got to the terms of realizing, realization that, oh my God, yeah, we definitely need to take to do genetic testing. And it, it was a long wait. I think I waited two years and I, I was able to like track it. And I was like, every night I was tracking to see if there's been an update or where it is in the system now. I chased and chased and they had the result and I was I kind of was expecting that it would come back negative nothing was found um and then when they said that she had had they did find a diagnosis I kind of felt like what's the what's the feeling sort of relieved Mm -hmm. because they actually found something that maybe we could look into and people maybe if she could be seen by the medical professionals that she needed to be seen by and she was it was really um they they were really good and I feel kind of the same like the social side like she sees a lot of a medical people a lot I mean it feels like every week we're seeing someone different for something else still um she's on rolling for quite a lot of things whether it's eyes ears or she's got to wear special shoes for a hypermobility or it's the dentist it just seems to be like continuous people still but I feel the same about the social aspect. She has one friend at school, that's it, but she's of similar ability to her. So she kind of mm-hmm. has that one friend. But party-wise, she, I don't think she's ever been invited to a party. And she's no. nine. She's nine now. But that's fine. I think I think we may have been invited to like one or two and she would be outside in the corridor because it would have been too noisy for her. Sure. So she really struggles with like the sensory process inside. And I've, got, I've kind of got through a sort of a point where I just we avoided these sort of sort of things just to save her the stress and anxiety of it all yeah this is really difficult to do as a family because I've got three other young girls and they love doing all of the sort of atypical things that a child would like to do like soft plays and 
parks and mm -hmm. theme parks and all of that whereas it's just her nightmare that would be an absolute nightmare she would want to sit in a library and read a book that would be her ideal calm peace and um, regards to her future I've all me and my husband have always said well she's just going to live with us forever and we'll be happy with that to support her and look after her until mm -hmm. we die really yeah yeah that's something that I mean really hit me hard because you just never think that right especially with yeah. something so rare like when I found out I knew something was going to come back like I just knew in my gut I'm an intuitive yeah. person and I knew yeah. I was like this is going to be something. Cause like I said, when I held her, I knew there was something and I yeah. knew she was so special, but can I tell you like the warmest, most loving is how I felt like she completed me. She's going to be my little angel. Like that's the way it felt, you know, like, yeah. and when they found something, I was looking everything up and, you know, I, of course you, like you said, you go through like a grieving. I don't know if I'm quite over that yet, to be honest with you. I, it comes in waves. Like some days well, are better than others. Right. Yeah, yeah. And grief doesn't, you know, I just lost, I lost my dad just a couple of years ago and grief doesn't ever go away, you know, like, and I think we'll always kind of be grieving this, yeah. uh, you know, for, for them, but I, they don't know any better if that makes any sense. And yeah. so no. <laughs> the, at least I can take on the grief as mom and, yeah. and take on the worry and the, in that stuff. And that, that, I guess that's my job, I guess I feel like as, as her, as his mom and, and I'll take that on for him. So he doesn't have to deal with it ever, you know? And so he's not going to know any different. Like he's not going to know that he, he, he does know he's different. Like, you can tell like he he gets pulled out of class more and he gets you know so he knows that there's there's differences to yeah. him versus other kids but it's not a problem for him but you know like it's not it's not ever an issue for him he just takes it as oh I get special treatment now because yeah. <laughs> that's what Isabel's like as well like oh I get to come yeah. out of class oh lovely yeah how, how fun <laughs> yeah I wonder so. as they get older how the siblings will react to everything and that's what I always think. I'm like, well, if she's, you know, in the special education classes and everything, my son is only going to be a grade or two ahead of her. We don't know if we're keeping him because he's a like summer baby, if we're going to start him sure. older, or start him, you know, the youngest in class. I was like, hopefully he'll protect her. Like, that's my biggest fear is kids making fun of her and stuff like that and I hate to go there but you just see it so often and I'm just like she's such a lovable like person and mm -hmm. I it just breaks my heart like when you told me that your son wasn't getting invited to parties like I felt yeah. anger inside of me like actual anger I'm like how dare these people like parents should know better like even if you don't have a kid with special needs, like if there was a kid in my son's class that had special needs, I would just say, yeah, it's a kid's birthday party. You can come, you know, and everybody's if, welcome. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And if they can't, you know, if they're getting overstimulated or whatever, like we'll make sure that they're not embarrassed. We can, you can go home, like no judgment at all. Like just right. let me know what you need me to do to accommodate you. Like I could never imagine just like, skimming over that kid 
So, and I don't know if it's because I have a kid that will potentially be that kid. You know what I mean? Or Mm -hmm. if that's just me in general, but it's just a very different, it's shocking. It's very shocking. And it sometimes like I wake up and I see her and it's still shocking to me or like, she'll just be eating and doing something. And I'm like, it'll hit me again. And I'm like, Oh Mm -hmm. my goodness, Jackie, like, you got to get used to this at some point, you know, you have to like, you can't drive yourself mad just thinking what ifs, because what if she doesn't, you know, or what if they do grow up to be completely, you know, typical people? Or what if it's, an amazing, amazing, amazing experience and something that you didn't know you needed for the rest of your life. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. That's how I look at Ben. I mean, I, I really think he was, he was sent from the heavens to be, you know, be my little sidekick and be my, my, and be my happiness, I guess. I, I don't know. I enjoy him so much. And I, you know, and we, like I said before, we struggled. I mean, it took us five years to even get Ben. So mm-hmm. we, you know, to, to have him even just be on this earth is, is just a, such a blessing to me. So I, I just look at it as, as moving forward, I guess I look at it as a positive. Yeah. And we'll just deal with the medical and, and as the negative, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Well, there is no like life expectancy for this. No. And there's no, but there's no life expectancy for us either. If you think about it as atypical parents. Yeah. So, but so that, in my opinion, makes me feel better. Right. Cause it's not like we are very lucky in this sense. Yeah. We're lucky in the sense that there's nothing that really progresses. It kind of just is what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good thing to think about as well. That's kind of what keeps me going to is that it's not progressive like nothing's going to get worse Mm -hmm. you're just kind of dealing early for us it's early intervention you know I'm sure that's where you guys started to the earlier the better with the all the stuff and I will talk to the ear nose and throat doctor about her ears and all the ear infections and doing a hearing test because she wouldn't sit still for the hearing test at the pediatrician, her last appointment. So sure. they, they, hard, isn't it? they just want to wriggle and yeah. So yeah. They get bored easily. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Well, like I said, Ben got the tubes. I mean, he had yeah. tubes placed and we haven't had an ear infection since. I'm thinking so, that's what's going to happen with both of my kids. Yeah. And it, it was, it was so nice. I have to say it was really like, I didn't want him to, you know what I mean? Have to be put under or any of that kind of stuff. But, um, it was literally a 15 minute procedure and he was done and it was, and then like literally since he, he got him put in at like a year and a half, I think he was maybe 18 months old when he had him put in and he has literally had not had any ear issues since. So nice. Yeah. Um, another thing that Isabel has is she has really weak enamel on her teeth. Mm-hmm. So oh, she's, yeah. had, she's been under anesthetic and she's had eight teeth removed. Oh, and we're at the dentist tomorrow. She needs like continuous fillings. So it's like her teeth, like they call it like they just crumble away. So they're oh, like, true. I think they have like calcium defects on them as well. So 
they're discolored in areas, even though they're clean and they're cleaned all the time. They still right. have, like, um, but I think then that starts from gestational age as well. So it will all have happened at the same time of development, actually, sure. in my womb. So um, she sees like a specialist dentist for that reason. And she had to go under general anesthetic. And that was like the worst, like the worst thing, isn't it? When your child's got to go under general, I think for anybody. Yes. But especially when you know that they've already got like a disability. It's just, I don't know, quite worrying. Um, but right. yeah, she, she was all right. She came through it in the end. But yeah, the dental work is ongoing. I don't know. What's your child's teeth? What's um, Catherine? What's your boys like? Ben's teeth, he's he's had no like real dental issues or whatever, oh, but his yeah. teeth are very, very close together. Okay. And so like to get floss through them and things like that, that you, you can hardly it's floss hard. his teeth. No. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a full chore. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Harlow's getting her teeth late. Like she's 17 months and she has six teeth. And um, one of the, one more is coming in, so I guess we could say seven. And okay. they are they look fine right now. They yeah. look, if it makes sense, a little shorter than what my sons looked like. I'm okay. wondering if she's not going to have some teeth issues as well. Yeah, that's, but um, it's not quite. Um, I think there's the the variability again in that front. I think some children do. Mm-hmm. some people are absolutely fine and they don't have any sort of issues that I suppose it's another thing to keep an eye out isn't it on yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah Ben got all of his teeth at six months of age oh, it, like geez. they all just bam came in at once and that's what we thought stemmed the like all the ear infections and things because we were oh, like my. wow his teeth are moving so quick like they literally just all shot in and then um but like I've come to learn that you lose teeth the way you get them so, like, if you get your your front teeth first, you're going to lose your front teeth first, if that makes any sense, uh, yeah, um, yeah. your baby teeth. Um, and so now that he, once he turns six, it literally, all of his teeth have been falling out. Oh, no. Mr. Toothless for a while, because uh, <laughs> all of his baby teeth are falling out at once, too. So Oh, they look yeah. so cute, though. Oh, it's know. adorable. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he's so excited. He's the kid that like he'll he'll just pull it out himself. And he's like, "Mom, look!" <laughs> like oh I'm like, "Oh my wow, God. He's like, got another one!" Like the tooth fairy's really busy here. So, right. well, I want to thank you guys for doing this with me. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. We we truly. So we figured out. I mean, I figured out through all of this because I was having a hard time, and I'm I'm in the group, but. You know, I look at everything, but it's different when you actually talk to people. And I just feel like we've learned today that there are a lot of things, but out of all the genetic, you know, disorders or variants, we're pretty lucky in what we have. And Mm -hmm. we have the sweethearts and they're our little unicorns because they're so rare. And it's just, I just always call Harlow my unicorn. And it's, you know, great to have support. Like, at least we found each other. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, thank goodness. I am that grateful for that. Because yeah. we really don't have the doctors, right? It's not a known thing. No. So <laughs> we kind of bounce stuff off of each other. And that's great. Yeah. And so in conclusion to this episode, you can see 
we're all just learning about this. We bounce ideas off of each other. It is a very, very unique experience to have a rare genetic disorder or to be a parent of a child that has one. We are still learning every day about this. It is all new. You heard with me. I'm still having a lot of trouble coping with it because Harlow's so young. So we don't know what this has in store for her yet. And as I said before, it's a sliding scale. So it could be anything from absolutely nothing to all of the above. So we're just playing that waiting game right now. I'd love to thank Katie and Alice again for being on and sharing your stories about your little unicorns as well. It was great chatting with them. We actually decided we were going to start Zoom conversations for anybody in the Sifram Hits Weiss group that wants to chat. And I think that's beautiful. Again, being a parent to a child with a rare genetic disease is not easy. We're dealing with Sifram Hits Weiss. I know some of you out there are probably dealing with other things. And my heart goes out to you because it is challenging. And I think the most challenging part for me is the unknown right now. Obviously, Harlow has had some difficulties already and she's overcome them. And we will just see what she has in store for her in the future. We are blessed that we know that she has this syndrome and we know what to look out for so we can get early intervention. And that's what we've been doing thus far. I know she's going to have a beautiful life no matter what. I know all of these children will have beautiful lives no matter what. And they will always be our precious little unique unicorns. I know I called her a unicorn like 500 times, but she really is one, as are all the, the other kids with this rare, rare syndrome. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. You can contact me on Instagram, on TikTok. I have a Facebook group and a page on Facebook. If you are looking to share your story or you have something to add to a story, please reach out to me. If you are having any issues or you can relate to anything, I'd love to hear feedback. I love hearing from you guys. It is the best. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow, and if you like it, or if I need some work, give me a rating. I would love to see it. Thank you so much. And stay tuned for next week's episode of The Mama Jack.